0: On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus teaches his disciples about ministry that involves service and sacrifice. His disciples are slow to realize that these words apply to them as well as to others. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark in the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me, for the one who is not against us is for us. So, tr- For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. This is the gospel of the Lord. I assume you've heard the expression, uh, you're either for me or against me. Or, he who is not for me is against me. You know, we've heard that, and it's kind of like, you know, whether it's an individual or a group, we can get this attitude, it's, it's me against the world, or it's us against the world. And, you know, and if you're not on my page, or if you don't agree with me, then you're against me. That's kind of the sense of it. But we hear that all the time. And and that's kind of what happened with uh, Jesus and his disciples Except that actually isn't what Jesus said. What Jesus said is whoever is not against us is for us. So it's not like the way we would say it that we've got this small little group here and everybody else is against us if they're different. Jesus said there's that small little group out there that's against us and everybody else, even if they're maybe just indifferent, is for us because they're not in opposition. That's a different thing that Jesus was talking about and and maybe we can get some sort of clue to what he's really talking about by going back and looking at that story uh, that we read first this morning from Numbers. The background on that is <clears throat> Moses was just sick and tired of people complaining all the time. All the time. You know, that they had God was giving them something to eat every single day, but they weren't satisfied. They wanted more. They wanted meat. So God said, all right, I'm going to give them meat. But Moses was so upset with all the grumbling and all the complaining, he said, Lord, he said, what do you have against me that I have to put up with this? Why don't you just take me? So I don't have to deal with this. And so that's when God kind of gets a little upset and says, all right, call in 70 of the elders, leaders of the people, bring them to the tent. And so he takes some of the spirit that's on Moses (coughs) and puts it on these 70 elders. And it says, and they prophesied. That has nothing to do with fortune telling. Prophecy just means preaching and teaching ministry. And so they prophesied except for these other two guys that didn't show up for the meeting. But the Spirit was on them too, and they prophesied. And so somebody came and, and you know, said, guess what's going on over there in the camp? <clears throat> and Joshua, Joshua, you know, didn't have any parents, the son of none. Right. Anyway, And Joshua goes to Moses and says, says, Moses, these guys are prophesying in the camp. Tell them to stop. And Moses says something that really is kind of prophetic. He said, are you jealous for my sake? He says, I wish God would take the spirit and put it on everybody so that everybody could prophesy. The problem there with Joshua and with the other person that came running is that they were trying to put the spirit in a box. They were trying to say, wait a minute, the Spirit can't do that. No, the Spirit has to go by the the system we set up. So if they showed up, if they came to the meeting, if they were in the right place at the right time, then they could get the Spirit. As though somehow the Spirit is supposed to go by what we set up. But you can't do that. You can't do that. The Spirit has no limits. We cannot set any limits for the Spirit. We cannot do what Joshua wanted to do because the Spirit will rest on whomever he wants. It's God's discretion who has the Spirit. The disciples were kind of in the same boat as Joshua because here there were some people actually driving out demons in Christ's name But guess what? They weren't part of the twelve. And so they came to Jesus and said, tell them to stop because they're not following us. So the disciples had this, this jealousy as though somehow the ministry and the power of God comes through Jesus and them. They were trying to put the power of God, and a spirit in a box. And saying it has to be done this way, it has to be done in this circumstance, it has to be done according to what we think is right, it has to be done in connection with our little group and not these others. And that's when Jesus says <coughs> that if they're not against us, they're for us. He says because they can't go driving out demons in my name and then turn around and say something bad about me because then they discredit their own work. He said they can't do that. And here's the thing. The Spirit can use that testimony from those people to have the effects that God wants it to. That also means that Let's say you've got, and and I'll use just one of the, the, the classic type examples, you've got, let's say, a televangelist who maybe has this big ministry and is reaching thousands of people. And maybe he's a jerk. Maybe he's in it for the money or the influence. Maybe he's not even a Christian. We don't know. But here's the point. It doesn't make any difference what his motivation is because the spirit can still use the words, especially because they're, if he's doing them from Scripture, the spirit can still use those to have some influence in the hearts of the people that hear it. So the power is not in the person. The power is in the proclamation. And that's what Jesus was saying. If they're doing something in my name, that's where the power is. Not because of them. Who knows? Maybe they weren't sincere about what they were doing. Maybe they had other motivation. But Jesus didn't address that. If they're doing it in my name, it has effect. Because the Spirit uses that. And I think in some way we... We tend to do the same thing. We, we Somehow we, we want to put the Spirit and the work of the Spirit, we want to put it in a box. And, and this, this is, is a temptation and a hazard of every single congregation that exists. Is that we believe that there are certain ways to do ministry and certain things that you should do. And, and congregations, if they're not careful, will drift toward that. And, and then you have a group of insiders. And somehow you've got to be connected with that, kind of like the disciples felt. It's a temptation that comes. But it's not up to us to say that God can't work in ways that we just wouldn't even expect. And maybe even through, through some people that we certainly wouldn't expect. Maybe even some people that we would consider to be false teachers or to not be Christian. But if somehow the word of God is being proclaimed, then it's going to have its effect in somebody's life. Why? Because the power is not in the person. It's in the proclamation. That's where the Spirit works. God said that His word, no matter how it gets out there, His word will not come back to Him without result. That's what the Spirit does. So how then is it that we access that power as individuals and as a congregation? How do we get that power? I think the way we get it is through prayer. In that second lesson that we read from James, he talks about it as is someone having trouble? Pray. Is someone rejoicing? Pray. Pray songs of praise. Is someone sick? Pray. If someone needs forgiveness, pray. Because then, when, and James says, in the name of Jesus. And when we do it in the name of Jesus, what does it do? It draws the Spirit's power. Because that's how the power comes. It's Christ's spirit that comes to us. So he says pray. And then he says the the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So let me ask you a question. How many of you would consider yourselves righteous? Righteous. How many of you are righteous? Okay. I don't see any hands. That means all of you are exactly wrong. Every one of you is wrong. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, God made him who had no sin... To be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You are righteous. God made you that way. Christ paid a price to make you right with God. That's what the righteousness of God is. You are right with God. You are righteous. You've been made part of God's family, a child of God, and you've been made right with God. So you can call yourself righteous. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why? Because we do it in the name of Christ. Because we invoke the name of Christ like those men that were driving out demons in the gospel lesson. We invoke the name of Christ, and when we do that, that power is renewed in us, and it fills us up again. And so that we can have effect as we prophesy, as we share the message, as we teach, as we share ourselves and the love of Christ with people. You can do it. You really can do it. So how many of you are righteous? What a transformation. (laughs) Just amazing. So we should pray. We pray in the name of Christ and that power comes on us. The Spirit comes. And maybe not just on us, maybe on somebody out there, but whatever. The Spirit comes. We cannot limit it. So what are we going to pray for when we pray? We pray for the Spirit. We pray to be covered by the Spirit. We pray to be filled by the Spirit. And we pray for that power to be in our lives, to fill us up, so that we can accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish as His children and as His witnesses. We pray for love. We pray for the love of Christ to be so strong in us that it just spills out. It's like the image of Christ coming to you and Christ opening his arms and, and giving you a great big old hug and while he's hugging you, the love is flowing from his heart into yours. So much so that it just bubbles out all over the place. That's what we pray for is that kind of love and that it'll come out and show itself in the lives of other people as we serve them. And we pray for God's grace. Undeserved as it is, But we pray for that grace in us so that we can realize that even though somebody around us or other people may be undeserving, but that we show it to them anyway.